It's not your car, your house, the vacations you can take, etc. Those things are nice to have along the way, absolutely. But the Bible talks about the treasures that we build up in heaven. When we get to heaven, looking Jesus in the eye and him saying, son, well done, daughter, well done. That attribute to really strive for success is what I see in a lot of emerging leaders and what I have been working on and what I've been looking at internally. Am I using that hunger for success for worldly gain or am I using that hunger for success for heaven? Happy to be with you on this edition of Lead Like Jesus. I'm Byron Tyler, the producer of the program. Chris Conley, your host, and his wife Karen, has asked me to be here today because they are not here. So it is my pleasure to join you on this Lead Like Jesus program. Today, we've got a great guest. Let me give you a little bit of background. Joseph May is the managing partner at Evolve Capital Group, commercial lending firm specializing in equipment financing for small and medium-sized businesses. Now, Joe learned of Lead Like Jesus just last year, so he's kind of new to the Lead Like Jesus family, but he immediately saw the value in being around other leaders who are devout followers of Christ. So let's welcome to the Lead Like Jesus podcast, Joe May. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Byron. I'm very honored to be on the podcast. Looking forward to uh, the next 30 or so minutes with you. Just really honored to be a part of Lead Like Jesus. Joe, what specific values stand out to you when leaders are also devout followers of Christ? Well, Byron, I think that's a great question. Throughout my life, I've always had role models and people that I've that I've looked up to that are leaders. And as I've grown in my faith with the Lord, I've seen such value in not only learning what it means to be a leader, but what it means to be a Christ-like leader. So being around the people at Lead Like Jesus and just really following the program, being a part of the online devotionals and even this podcast here, it just continues to strengthen me, not only as a leader, but as a leader for my employees and for the leader and the other people in my life to be a leader like Jesus, the way that Jesus wants us to lead and the way that he led when he was here on earth. Well, as I mentioned, you're a newcomer to the Lead Like Jesus family. What were the circumstances that led up to you discovering about this organization? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I was sitting at work one day, and I'm very close with my cousin, Kevin, who I believe was on a prior episode. He was. Yeah, Kevin McGeorge. That's your cousin. Yes, sir. Kevin and I are really close in our relationship as cousins. We're more like brothers. We walk in the Lord together, and we've really been close ever since an early age in life. And I got a text message from Kevin saying, this is very important. I need you to call me. Well, Kevin and I, like I said, normally speak every other day or so. For it to be really important, I immediately jumped up and gave him a call. And as soon as he answered the phone, I could hear the excitement in his voice, which was a slight relief. That way I knew it wasn't bad news. And he immediately began speaking a mile a minute about how he had received a very special invitation from a mentor of his in Richmond, Virginia. And he had been given two invites to a Lead Like Jesus conference in Palm Springs, California. Kevin's in Richmond, Virginia. I'm in Los Angeles. So immediately he realized the proximity of my location to Palm Springs. And I wasn't really asked to go with him. I was more demanded to go with him. (laughs) And so he immediately began telling me all about Lead Like Jesus. And we had already begun reading the books. And so he tells me all about it. I didn't even have a chance to think about it. I was in on the spot. I, I committed right there, ran back in the office, spent the next couple hours just doing due diligence and reading and learning more about Lead Like Jesus. And that was in 
I think, early January, and the conference took place in late February, I believe. Over those next seven weeks, Kevin and I just prayed that the Lord would use us at this conference and that we would be able to soak up every ounce of information and knowledge that we could gather there, and that's exactly what happened. Well, Joe, I'm really intrigued by your story, and Kevin, too. I really enjoyed speaking with him, as you mentioned recently, on a Lead Like Jesus podcast. Let's give a little backstory to where you've come from, and kind of the spiritual journey, too, because it's like you guys are both ignited and on fire for growth and following closer to Christ. You know, when I hear your story, it's not like, oh, I, I go to this Lead Like Jesus event. I mean, it's like you enthusiastically want to go. You're wanting to discover more more about leadership and about your personal walk with Christ. Where did it begin? I mean, what was it that kind of got you excited about this relationship with Jesus? Well, Kevin and I had slightly different paths to get where we are now as adults. So, you know, I'll speak just on my behalf. I was raised in a Christian home with three brothers and sisters and a single parent, a mother. And we were always raised. We went to Christian school, church on Sundays. We were those kids that were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday prayer group, Thursday night, we were laying on hands. I spent every night of the week at church growing up, at least it felt like. And so coming up as a young child, my mother and my brothers and sisters and the elders and the deacons in the church were always hands-on with me and my brothers and sisters since we were from a single parent. We were always taught of the Lord, and I was a devout Christian until I got into probably my late teens and early 20s, and I began to kind of wander and stray from what the Lord's path was for my life. I began to venture out on my own and see if I could conquer this world on my own and really kind of disregarded all the lessons that I'd been taught growing up and what my core beliefs were. Around the same time, I was about 25 to 26. Kevin, who's a few years older than me, had really come to know the Lord and had dedicated his life to the Lord. And seeing Kevin's example really broke my heart down back to where it needed to be. And I got down on my knees and just completely resubmitted my life to the Lord and and realized that there's nothing that I could do of value in this world without the Lord's help and without the Lord's influence and guidance. And really, without being in the Lord's presence, I was not having any success. I was not having any happiness in life. Kevin and I, fortunately, were able to restart our journey with Jesus, with the Lord, around the same time. And over the last five or so years, Kevin and I have really leaned on each other and used each other to help build each other up, to help become men of the Lord and leaders to be able to lead like Jesus. And so when he called me with this opportunity to go to the conference, as I said, it was a no-brainer, but it was something that I think both of us had been searching for for years to be around older adults, more experienced adults who had also been successful in their industries, but were Christ followers and leaders like Jesus. Joe, a couple of things you said here that stand out to me, and one of which is very encouraging for someone who myself is older and looking at the emerging leaders, the millennial age population, thinking there's this gap between us, but knowing that you actually want to have a relationship with somebody my age, you know, that you can glean from, that you desire to learn from. On the flip side of that, people my age need to show some humility, show some open-mindedness and some acceptance to discover some new things, you know, from your generation also along the way. And that's one thing I want you to kind of talk about, that connection there. But also, when you mentioned about growing up in a single-parent home, I also did the same. 
And I was just wondering what type of mentors or individuals, male structure, of course, as a single mom raising the family there, there wasn't, I don't know if there was a, a strong male influence around you. My mom continually pointed me to things like scouts and getting involved with other men that she knew that could help point me and give me guy things to do. I was wondering if there was special people in your life along the way that helped guide you, that gave you that strong male influence. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple that I'll point to um, on this podcast, but there were definitely a host that really helped me along the way as a young boy and into my youth. My mom did a really good job of that, of recognizing she prayed over her children daily. She did a really good job of recognizing that we needed a strong male influence. She was constantly having men in the church take myself and my brothers and, and even my sister, you know, on lunches or me and my brothers on overnights with the church. And, and she was always putting us around really strong uh, male influencers. And the one that really stood out for me, and, and this is kind of a unique situation, is that my oldest brother is 17 years older than me. So as I was coming up as a five, six, seven year old, you know, he at that point was in his 20s, and he has really been not only my main mentor and role model, but he was really and still is a father figure to me. I couldn't ask for a better father figure to have. He has always preached that faith has to be number one. He's always pushed me towards honesty, transparency, being a respectful man, knowing how to treat women, walking, you know, with the Lord. And so my oldest brother is the, the first one that I point to. The second one would be my other brother, who's seven years older. There's a large age gap between me and my older brothers and sisters. And he, again, was the same way. He has walked with the Lord, continues to walk with the Lord with his wife and their children. And those two, my brothers, really, really stepped up uh, to the task when my father left when I was three. And they really helped nurture me along as a young child and into my youth. And as I got older, the thing that was really the, the center of our time focus was sports. My brothers, my sister, myself, we all played sports at a very high level. And so that helped get me out of some trouble and helped take my time away. But again, my mother was very insistent that the coaches that we played for, or the leagues that we played in, that we weren't on in any toxic environment. So my high school basketball coach was one of my older brother's best friends. He was a devout Christian. We prayed before every practice. There was no cursing allowed during practice. A combination of those things, follow it along with my mother's just prayer for the children and my two older brothers really walking with me through my life when they could have easily just said, oh, that's a little brother. You know, he's 17 years younger than me. He's seven years younger than me. Or in my sister's case, she's 14 years older than me. You know, they really stepped up and helped take care of me when our father left when I was three. So I would really point to my two older brothers as the uh, the male figures or the father figures that showed me how to be like Christ and how to be a mature man. Joe, what two or three, as you mentioned your sister, two incredible examples there in your family. That's typically not the case, but wow, that's a great, great story there. Well, going back to you attending that Lead Like Jesus event, before going to the event, was there a time that you thought that Jesus is a leader or that you thought of Jesus as a leader? You know, when I was a young child, I remember praying, and I, and I remember this very specifically saying, you know, Mom, how do you pray? How do we start? You know, is it dear Jesus? Is it, is it this, that? And I'll never forget, my mom said, well, we're not writing him a postcard, so we don't need to start with dear Jesus. Uh, she said, you can just talk to him. 
he's your father. And, and as a young boy that didn't have a father in the house, that really resonated with me. And so from that day on, even to this day, when I pray for food, I pray beginning of my day, whatever, I start my prayer with father. I address him the way as a young boy that I think I wanted to address my earthly father, but he wasn't there. That's how I began addressing my heavenly father. And so as I grew up, I constantly looked at Jesus the way I think young boys or young children look at their earthly parents in the sense that, you know, their dad can do no wrong. He's the best at basketball or baseball or or whatever, you know, when you're a young boy. And that's how I always began to look at Jesus as he was the father that I always wanted. And so I looked at him as a leader of my life, but I definitely did not look at him as a leader the way I do now until I went to lead like Jesus. Well, Joe, as a young leader yourself, what do you find to be some of the challenges in today's world for embracing and living out that leadership model of Jesus in the marketplace? It's a great question, Byron. And as someone who's been a leader, especially here recently in the last few years, being one of the managing partners of the company, one of the biggest challenges, and I think it's a challenge as old as time, is just the ridicule that you can face and really sticking to your guns when the eye rolls and the sarcastic comments, even in a very professional setting, can come when just the mention of Jesus comes up. And I think that speaks to the power of his name, like the Bible says. But that's one of the biggest obstacles that I've seen is when coworkers or employees or even at a big business meeting, when they see me bow my head, pray before my food, I don't make a big scene. We're not taking up tithes and offerings, but I always like to bow my head and even just use that as a way that people can know that, that I am taking the time to pray. That's been a little bit of an obstacle that's really come against me. And I'm curious, you know, on your end, doing what you do as an older adult, an older professional than me, is that something that you've encountered as well? It's interesting because I've got three sons, and we started when our children were just brand new, making prayer in public places just a part of our lifestyle. I haven't really thought about the ridicule of it. I actually work for a Christian radio network, so we pray inside the office here all the time. But in the public places, when we still go out and I do bow my head in prayer, as you mentioned, not to make a scene, but just to honor God for his gift of food and recognizing him as that provider, uh, it hasn't been an issue for me. Kind of shocking to me because I'm the same as you. I'm normally, you know, in a Christian atmosphere. Nothing is ever said, and so when the first couple comments were made, or oh, you know, look at the boss, or oh, at a business lunch, oh, this kid's bowing his head. Oh boy, what's this going to entail? I kind of use that as an example of another issue that that I've faced recently is just being honest in everything that you do as a leader. Not saying one thing that you want to do to your employees and acting another, but really just being honest throughout all accounts of, of life and as a professional. And I've really seen that come up as a struggle when someone, not necessarily within the organization, but related to the organization, realizes we can make a few extra bucks by kind of cutting a few corners and just being a little dishonest to make a few extra bucks. And so the reason I said it kind of about the praying in public is that's really been a struggle that's come against me is holding true to my values as a believer when money or other success is on the line. So it really kind of boils down to that basic integrity level, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Just really not saying who you are behind closed doors and acting a different way outside, but really just praying each morning that that Jesus will shine through me, through my words, through my actions, through my heart, my habits, my hands. That has been a struggle, you know, over the last couple of years is really just applying that in all areas. Because when you are a leader, I do think you have more eyes on you 
um, than someone who, who maybe is following or isn't quite at that point of being a leader. But when you have more eyes on you and you have more people looking at your every move, that's really something that I've noticed that you have to have intact. You have to be honest. You have to be transparent. And you have to have integrity in all areas because if you don't, it will eventually seep out, eventually creep out in one area or another, and you'll be exposed. And that whole time that you've been pretending or fronting that you believe in this, that, and the other, and once it's exposed, all of that work is damaged. Oh, that is so true, Joe. Good word there. Uh, what do you see as attributes that typically are associated with emerging leaders? Well, I think a lot of attributes, you know, at least that I possess, that I've seen in other people, um, you know, that I interact with that are also leaders, are really that strive to be great in one way or the other. They want success, whether it's personal, professional, within their specific organization, but it's really just that strive to be great in what they do. What I really came to realize as a younger adult after my teens and through my early 20s into my, my mid to late 20s was that that success is not measured on earthly treasures. It's not your car, your house, the vacations you can take, etc. Those things are nice to have along the way, absolutely. But the Bible talks about the treasures that we build up in heaven. When we get to heaven, looking Jesus in the eye and him saying, son, well done, daughter, well done. That attribute to really strive for success is what I see in a lot of emerging leaders and what I have been working on and what I've been looking at internally. Am I using that hunger for success for worldly gain or am I using that hunger for success for heaven? Wow. I tell you what, we all need to keep that perspective for sure. And as you look at emerging leaders as they, or maybe even yourself, if you've tried to seek for your voice to be heard and to qualify your position as a leader among your peers and coworkers, what are some of the hurdles that you've had to jump in order to accomplish that? Well, Byron, I think any time that you're a leader, any time you're at top of a perch, no matter if it's an anthill or it's a pyramid, someone wants to push you off. There's always someone out there who wishes they were on top of that hill or on top of that mountain. I think in order to be a good leader, you have to have principles that you stick to and principles that you live by. And so one thing that I've always really worked on, this touches back to a couple minutes ago with my oldest brother, who was always very strict about instilling these principles in me, is that you have to set core values as an individual. And if you live by those core values and you stick to those core values, then other people around you start to notice that. They realize that you're not easily pliable, that you're not easily influenced. And they know that what you say you believe in, you're not going to shake from. And I think when people look up to leaders and they have to follow that leader because it's their boss or for whatever reason, if they feel comfortable knowing that that leader has a strong core set of values, a core set of principles, and they don't waver from those at any time, no matter if there's more profit on the line, more success on the line, if they know that you're operating as an honest, integrous leader, I think that really helps people get on board and can make the whole process of, in my case, leading a company much easier and much more positive for all that's involved. Yeah, yeah. Two, Joe, when you're building your organization, you've got to have a team behind you that can give you the support and carry on the mission of your company. In what ways do you identify and empower others to follow the example of Christ's leadership model in your workplace? Well, the first thing that I do each morning is before I, before I leave my house, 
I like to take a bit of time. Sometimes it's a minute or two. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it leads into a full-on worship service. But I like to get down on my knees and just recognize before I leave the house and go to take on my day that Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. And I pray for four things. I pray that he will be on the forefront of my heart, of my words, of my actions, and of my intentions each day. And so as I pray for that, I pray that when I come into work and there's a situation that comes up, a problem that comes up, and I need to delegate or I need to lean on another employee to handle something, that they feel when I give them that task, the confidence that I know that they can do it and that I'm giving them something that I feel comfortable and confident that they can accomplish and that they can execute it with the same level of precision and accuracy that I would if I was doing it. I really just try and always let them know that whether they're praying for me or they pray at all, that in the morning before I leave work, I'm praying for them, and I'm praying for the organization, and I'm praying that I will be a good leader for them. And I think that I've seen the response from some of the employees, some of the, the other people we interact with, where they can they start to notice that and they start to feel it. And again, whether they're a believer or not, knowing that someone is taking time out of their day to say a prayer for them, to say a prayer for our process, and that, that I'm putting that time and that effort in, I think has gone a long way to really achieve loyalty hmm. with the people that we come into contact with. Well, Joe, don't be surprised if you get a mountain of resumes coming your way after this podcast airs. Some folks who want to come to work for you. Absolutely. Open arm. You're in the area. Come on by. Hey, Joe, without naming any names, are there standouts in your organization that you've seen grow in extraordinary ways by following Jesus' leadership style as you have tried to set that example in the workplace? I have. I absolutely have. It's going to be hard for me to not name any names, so I might speak a little slowly here. There's one individual that was in sales and has worked and worked and worked to be successful and has put in the time and the hours, and it just wasn't clicking. It just, one little thing would go wrong here, and one little thing would go wrong there, and through much prayer and much encouragement, and this individual eventually turned their life over and became a Christian. Um, Success from there, and that doesn't mean that if you become a Christian, you're just going to automatically become successful. But this person, once they became a Christian, began praying began praying that they wouldn't have success to be able to have more money. They'd be able to have success to be able to reach others. That they People would say, oh, wow, you had a great month. What really turned it around for you? And they would be able to share the glory of God. So that one specific example definitely stands out to me. For me personally, I have seen a lot of growth in myself just by praying for the Lord as we become more successful as a company, that I will continue to remember that He gave me this platform. I did not create it. He gave me this platform to reach others. He gave me this platform to be a leader, to reach others for Him, not a platform for my own gain. This is a platform that Jesus created for me as a leader to be able to bring others to His kingdom. What a great passion and heartbeat for the purpose of your company and the purpose of your mission there, Uh, Joe. Thank you so much for being so honest and, and excited about it. I really enjoy hearing that. And our conversation is soon to come to an end on this episode of Lead Like Jesus podcast. But before we do, how important is the leadership structure of a company to the decision of Evob Capital Group risking the investment on a new startup? Somebody comes to you, you're looking at their portfolio, they're looking for X amount of dollars. When you look at their leadership structure, how important is that to you? Well, that's a very 
very interesting question, Byron. Um, we do. We, we always look at their leadership. And, you know, as the owner who kind of makes the final call on whether we're going to lend money to this company or not, I do always say a little prayer for, you know, in the morning, but also kind of each time that, you know, Lord, if there's something that I'm missing, please highlight this for me. Please allow me to see anything that I'm missing that where this could be a bad investment. But also, you know, directly addressing your question, I do try and get a feel for who we are investing in, who we're lending money to, what their character seems to be made of, and are they the type of person that I'm going to feel comfortable lending money to, you know, down the road, two, three years down the road. So it is very important to me, and I really rely a lot on the Lord's insight um, to help me see anything I'm missing. But I also rely on hard work using the talent that the Lord has given me to be able to flush these things out on the front end, and then hoping that if anything that I miss, the Lord, you know, will be able to point those out to me, and that we'll be able to make sound, solid investments. Do you have any process of trying to figure that out as you relate to these individuals? Well, I think that just comes, you know, on my end, a lot of just dealing with so many people on day in, day out, things you begin to notice and recognize. And, and for me, you know, there are a few specific points, you know, being from North Carolina, Manners, to me, really stands out as a leader. I feel like if you can't address, speak to people um, in a professional, cordial, respectful manner, for me, that sometimes can be a red flag. The way maybe sometimes I'll see some of these other owners or CEOs talk or treat their employees, those are a couple things, for me specifically, that really can stand out as red flags. And then you have the obvious points. Are they manipulating financials? Are they doing the kind of wink-wink when... You ask them, would they ever cut a corner to make a few bucks? Um, Things like that. Those are the obvious red flags. But I really look at the way that these other owners treat people around them, whether it's a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant or someone who simply held the door for them. Those are things that I really, you know, keep an eye on and take notice of. You know, Joe, that servant leadership that Jesus exemplified for us in the scriptures, that's how we're to follow him and live, you know? So what a great word there, too, as you look at building your company and helping to assist others in their new ventures, too. Uh, Are there any resources that you would offer or ones that you recommend feel that might benefit our Lead Like Jesus listeners today? Well, if you're not subscribed to the Lead Like Jesus online devotional, Um, I highly recommend that. Um, That's one of the first things I start off my day when I'm having a cup of coffee. It's relatively short. There's a passage. There's a specific prayer in there that I really enjoy um, going through each day. And then there's obviously a couple scriptures listed there that go along with the passage. So if you're not signed up for that online devotional, if you already have a devotional that you do each day, I highly recommend adding this one to the portfolio uh, of your devotionals if if you don't even have one already. Um, it's really something that lifts me up each morning. For those of you that may not met her, I can hear Phyllis's voice on each of those messages. <laughs> so just, she has such a, a godlike spirit that, you know, that's something that I've really enjoyed. So, you know, I'm not going to recommend any specific books or anything like that. I'm going to recommend the online daily devotional from Lead Like Jesus. I like that. Is there any way our listeners, they could reach out to you possibly for further advice or any questions they might have? Absolutely. If you have any questions, you know, regarding the podcast, like Jesus, anything with business, or for if your company has any need for capital, working capital or equipment financing, please feel free. Uh, the email is my first name, Joe, J-O-E, the first letter of my last name, May, so Joe M at EvolveCapitalGroup.com. 
Okay. Joe, thank you so much for your example of Leading Like Jesus and your excitement, too, for this great organization, Lead Like Jesus. And thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. It was such an honor. Thank you, Byron. Well, friends, we welcome hearing from you. Be sure and stop by the website, leadlikejesus.com, and you'll discover an incredible resource that's waiting for you. On behalf of Chris and Karen Conley, your usual host for this podcast, I'm Byron Tyler, the producer of the show, filling in, hoping you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening.